We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another Three Mont Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, as always. Uh, unfortunately, no Brock Heward this time. He has been replaced by Derek and I. Hopefully, you guys are okay with that. You know, I saw some feedback that said, like, Hey, the show gets better every time a host leaves. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I guess that's that's tough luck for me and DY. You know, Cole just having his his bromance with Brock Hewitt, but that, that was a good pod. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That was, that was one of the better pods we've had, and it uh, featured only, only Cole. So uh, we'll try and do our best to get you ready for Texas as much as we can here throughout the rest of the show. Um, as always, you guys know, brought to you by Holiday Distillery. Stock up on your 360 vodka. Stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Make sure that's all ready to go. It's a night game. You got a long day of tailgating ahead of you on Saturday, folks. All right, you might grab a couple handles. You know, that's, that's probably the way to go, I think, heading into this weekend, even if they've you're going to be watching at home. They've had a lot of practice. We've had plenty of night games this season. And you're going to get another one with Baylor next week because America can't get enough of the Cats in primetime. Uh, 3.3 million Americans, in fact, watched uh, Oklahoma State, K-State last week. More than the Red River shootout on ABC. Yeah. And it was a 48 to nothing game, and that still happened. Uh, if you listen to the Brock Heward pod, he said it'll be the highest rated 48 nothing game in his entire life or highest rated blowout <laughs> of his entire life. So uh, he brought that up as well. Sounds like a very uh, scientific data point that he's using there. Um, but hey, we'll take it. We will definitely take it. Uh, Cole. How did it feel to uh, to finally get to chat with your your crush there for a while? Felt pretty damn good. I'm gonna be honest. Um, really, uh, really enjoyed it. Glad we made it happen, made it work, and uh, seems like people enjoyed it as well. Uh, and you know, look, it's all because Brock, you were just tremendously prepared and detail oriented, and you can tell he's passionate about what he does and invests the time into doing so. And uh, as a result, it just leads to a great interview with him where he carries it. I just tee him up with some simple questions. He, he takes it from there. He was tremendous. And uh, it comes that way. It comes across that way on the broadcast as well, as you guys know, with him and Jason Benetti and Allison Williams on the sideline and how detail oriented they are. So it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun to chat with him and uh, hopefully we'll get him on again down the road. 
Uh, we talked off air a little bit about maybe a reappearance around the Big 12 championship game if Kansas State's down there, so in Arlington. So maybe we'll uh, maybe I'll get to reunite, reconnect with Brock, or maybe what I'll. What happens in person? What if that happens in person, Cole? I mean, look, I'd probably embarrass myself if we did it in person. So, I, I mean, I saw somebody comment like I needed to ask him his favorite spots to go in Manhattan. But to be honest, it'd probably be best if I don't know that because I would probably just go camp out <laughs> in that spot on like a Friday night and just wait. I did uh, run into him. I didn't have an interaction with him, but uh, he was seen in the press box. Obviously, he did the game last week. And there was cookies out there. And someone's like, oh, Brock Hooter, you're going to get a cookie. I forget who it was was asking. He's like, nope, no cookies in season. So um, mm. he doesn't doesn't eat the sweets during during uh, the season for whatever reason. That's the type of reporting we pay you for, D.Y. That's the on-the-ground type reporting we need. <laughs> Do we? So this this reminds me of two two things, two stories here. One, I, I don't know who it was. I saw somebody on Twitter uh, posted a <laughs> – it was a picture – of Brando in, in somebody's press box. And he, he was sitting there eating like the pregame media meal. And he did the whole like obnoxious, like had the, the whole napkin, like hanging off of his neck, oh, gosh, thing, you know, yeah. just had like the napkin, take it up like half of his chest. <laughs> it was so on brand, unbelievably on brand. The I other know. one, do you guys know the story I'm about to tell about Gus? And oh, what the feet, his feet, Gus and his feet. Man, yes. Gus Johnson his feet. That I've heard that from about forty people probably in my life. So he's done it more than once. I want to say it was the what was it twenty eighteen that we had multiple delays or seventeen seventeen. I think it was the twenty seventeen Oklahoma game. Wasn't there a delay for that one? There was one one of those years where we had like three or four delays. So whatever year that was, I think that was it. And he during the delay, I'm like sitting there in the press box, and I look over, and I'm like, oh, it's. It's Gus and Joel. And then at a certain point, Joel like gets up and then it's just Gus. And you look over and underneath the table, he's got his shoe off, his sock off, and he's just like rubbing his bare foot, like just in one of the seats on press row down at the end. So I was like, hey, I mean, I guess when you're Gus, you can just do whatever you want. I mean, it was still great to have him there doing the game. I guess I'm not complaining too much. So I don't know. Shout, shout out to Gus Johnson. He's definitely lost a few miles per hour off of his fastball too, to where I don't think he's as good of a play by play guy as he once was significantly less now. Um, but he's still respectable and also still has the humility that Tim Brando. Likes. Yes. Yes. I was just going to say like, he's not an a-hole. <laughs> he's yeah. a nice guy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, still respect him. Anyway, uh, I'm sure you guys are all here for our, our takes on play-by-play guys. I do agree <laughs> with Cole wholeheartedly that, uh, like Benetti and Heward right now, I, I will, I got to give a shout out to actually the whole Fox broadcast. I mean, between the amount of cameras they have, the, the super slow-mo they have, the sky cam they have, the quality of the talent actually on the broadcast, like that is just a, even down to the, their like bumpers back in from commercial that were, you know, they had the one that was scanning all the different pictures of K-State quarterbacks throughout history. Like, they just did a great job with capturing the the school, like knowing what is going on at the school and knowing what they're what they're talking about. It was just a very, I thought, excellent broadcast all the way around. Outside of the one thing, and I saw someone, D.Y., I think commented on the boards about this, the very opening shot of the broadcast was like they had wheat in the foreground, like from the field across the street. 
And I'm like, all right. I mean, can we not do that thing so that people just think they're like, you know, you know, plop down this stadium in a wheat field and that's where we're doing the game from. Other than that, Fox, I think you, you guys do an excellent, excellent job. Super. You ready for some headlines? Bring them on. All right. Who's going to play quarterback, D.Y.? Who's going to play quarterback this week? That is, I, I, that I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. I would pick Will Howard. And if I had to make a projection, I would go with Will. I would say that it will be Will Howard. Because I think the biggest takeaway I had from what Chris Kleiman had to say, and I think you picked up on this same quote, is that the one thing where it seemed like he may have showed his cards. He does a great job of not showing his cards, by the way. But the one time I thought he might have is when he, I think he said it twice, maybe three times, that Will Howard is the healthiest. And look, if Adrian Martinez is not 100% and Will Howard's humming like he is, I think that's your answer. That's it. Yeah, well, I think, yes, I think it is that. So because for Adrian, and I, it's been interesting watching some of the Twitter discourse about this, but I mean, like for Adrian Martinez to be effective, like he's got to be able to run the ball. Now, someone did make the point, and Cole, I'd be interested to see how you would react to this. Because my thought was like, I mean, the only thing the offense was doing well when Adrian was the quarterback was producing explosive run plays. And they were doing that at an absolutely elite level. But there was not much else that was going real well, certainly not consistently on the offensive side of the ball. So I was like, I mean, really, that that just has to be there. Or I don't, I don't know that you should play him when Will Howard is slinging the ball like this. But someone did point out to me the, the best game, obviously, passing that Adrian had this year um against Iowa State came against you know I mean the Big 12's maybe best defense in Iowa State they've been able to hold almost everybody down look at what you know I mean Quinn Ewers didn't have a great game against them like they've been a really good pass defense and he did sling the ball around pretty well in Ames so there is that totally fair the only thing I would point out for the Iowa State game it came out on almost like those two big plays two big pass plays one to Knowles where he gets stripped at the one and then the long one to the Brooks that went for a touchdown those are both kind of broken plays too yeah, I mean, I was going to make that point. I mean, it was kind of off two busted plays. I mean, one is because Adrian, with his feet, made the play, right? Yeah. The ability to elude the sack, which is something that he brings to the table and he shouldn't be discredited for. But over 150 of those passing yards came on two plays to to what you're saying, DY and yards after catch, et cetera. So, you know, you look at the last three games for K-State when it comes to passing, 16.4 yards per completion. That's number one in the country over that time span among power five schools. So there's a lot of explosiveness in the passing game right now. That's fifth best in the entire country. It's mostly the military schools in K-State uh, over the last three games that are averaging that high of a number in terms of yards per completion. So they're getting a lot of explosives in the passing game. I mentioned on the last show, 13 passes of 20 plus yards with Will Howard under quarterback in the last two games and they had 10 in their first six games combined. It just seems also that it. I just – and maybe this was just schematically. Maybe the offensive line played the game of the season, but I thought that Deuce Vaughn had more openings with the vertical passing game with his ability to run. I thought he had more openings, bigger holes to run through against Oklahoma State than I'd seen in a while, and I credit a lot of that to the willingness to stretch the field and to go vertical and to show that downfield passing game. I agree. I think it's because Will Howard has more of a willingness to push the ball downfield, as you alluded to. I think it, the offensive line is playing better. I think they've been on an upward trajectory, though. Even if you think about the uh, 
the Iowa State game, I thought I still thought they played pretty well given the circumstances and the competition there. I thought I thought the offense still played well against Iowa State. Heck, they should have scored 20, 24 points that game. So I, I still think that they were probably going to improve at this level anyways. And, and at the same time, like you said, it all comes down to the reason why Deuce Vaughn also could be having more holes, not just the offensive line playing well, but it's because you're no longer as one-dimensional. I don't think the teams were having to honor the passing game as much when Martinez was under center. Yeah, it just feels like a more complete offense to me like a, a a more a much more well-rounded offense um as much as i love and i mean i dude you guys know like I've, I've been a sucker i am a so i've got a type and my type because of what i grew up with with michael bishop and l roberson is the daniel quarterback the explain the, the explosive quarterback that can run which is why i fell in love with daniel sams um that's yeah. that's my type so i mean i loved l roberson darren sproles 2.0 with adrian and and deuce but like th- this is 2022 and we had this we had a furious debate a couple of weeks ago about changing the offense long term and what that's going to look like and i mean this are you trying to dunk on me now <laughs> no no I- i'm really just saying like we we've already if we're already at the point where we're bringing up that discussion yeah. and it seems like colin is certainly very willing to move the offense in more of a modern direction and that started with him being the offensive mm-hmm. court like this plays into that, and it's the way that people are really playing effective offenses these days is by being able to throw the ball downfield. And it just, to me, after watching years and years, I mean, ever since Lockett left back in 2014, it's like it just feels like the passing game has been a struggle forever. And now for two weeks in a row, certainly at least two halves, two first halves in a row, it just looks like it's easy. It looks like it looks like for – 90% of other teams in college football that like moving the ball downfield through the air is not a chore. Um, and so I don't know. It's just a really appealing thing to me. And then you throw on top of it, obviously the game that Deuce had too. I, you can't tell I'm very much in, in favor of playing Will Howard, unless if Adrian's a hundred percent healthy and you think that's what the game plan is going to call for more so against Texas, I, I suppose I, I can listen to that. But. Probably going to steal cool thunder a little bit here because of he, he has the statistical analysis to, to support what I am about to say. And, and you're not going to pick a starting quarterback based on these numbers. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're bringing in a left-handed pitcher to face left-handed hitters. This is not how you play football. This is not how you select a starting quarterback for each game, but Texas throughout this season up until this point, a much better run defense than they are a pass defense. And there's no mistaking that at this point. Yeah, no, definitely DY. Uh, I would agree with that. And, you know, as I think about Will Howard, and this is a little bit unfair because Adrian Martinez turned over a new leaf since the Tulane game. But I think back to the play they had schemed up at the end of the first half to Malik Knowles for a potential touchdown against Tulane. And Adrian was hesitant to throw it and then threw it away. And then I look at the play that Will Howard at the end of the first half against Oklahoma State, that throw he made, it was Malik Knowles running kind of a pick um, in the back end corner and throwing it into such a tight window. And I wonder, is Adrian make that throw? Is he willing to put the ball there in that spot and take that risk? Uh, I, I don't know. Like Adrian's a different player now than he was against Tulane, so it might be an unfair comparison. But when we, ta- when we had Brock Heward on the pod, talked about the differences is, Will, Will kind of sees things a little bit quicker. He processes things a little bit quicker. And as I rewatch the game and they show some of the overhead shots on Fox on Saturday, Will Howard is throwing the ball before his guys are open. You know, the Phillip Brooks touchdown, 
he's releasing that ball to a spot, which I know quarterbacks are taught to do before Phillip Brooks is really open and he throws it 15 yards farther downfield, catches for a touchdown. It seems that Will is, is willing to cut it loose maybe a little bit more than Adrian, and that's fully recognizing that Adrian has also been cutting it much more loose as well. And I, I just – I don't want to be knocking Adrian and I know none of us do uh, because <laughs> we were devastated against TCU when Adrian went to the locker room. He'd been playing so well. And, and I still think Adrian can be a very good quarterback for this team and the right option. I don't want to overreact too much, but to me, Adrian has to be absolutely 100% healthy when you put him on the field. And I just don't know with one week off, you know, if he's truly a hundred percent, and so I would give him another week, like we talked about on the Oklahoma State recap pod. Give him another week. Let's see how Will Howard does again against a very good Texas defense. This, yeah. this is going to be one of the best defenses they face. If he can do it again, then you're in a real dilemma. You, you may have to stick with Will Howard if he, he can perform like he's done the last two games. If he doesn't perform particularly well, K-State still wins or whatever the result is, you, you may be, if Adrian's 100%, you go back to we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Another ball that I thought that, that, that Will delivered that, man, I don't know if he, even Adrian attempts was there was one time where I thought it was getting picked because, I mean, I don't have the greatest vantage point from a, from a vertical being up in a press box. I didn't know that it was going to get over the top of the linebacker and really fit it into the window between the linebacker and the defensive back. Now it's the ball to Ben Sinnott at one yep. point. And, and I had to ask someone, I was like, did he get lucky that it didn't get picked or was just a perfect throw? And apparently, you know, perfect throw. And I don't know. Heck, Adrian's not the only one not delivering that ball. That ball's not getting delivered by 90% of quarterbacks in college football. And that's a pro throw. So Will Howard's on a different level right now. Um, that just shows you where his confidence is at. And you kind of got to let that carry you to where it's going to carry you. Now, if he ever, if he does hit that proverbial wall at some point where the offense stalls, you're in a tight game and you're getting literally no offensive production with Will Howard under center. Um, at any point this year, 
um, the rest of the way. If that does transpire, guess what? You still have Adrian Martinez, who just by the style that he is, the type of quarterback that he is, the experience that he already possesses, um, he becomes a perfect spark plug, really, a quarterback if you ever need it. Yeah, I, I would just make this point too, and that that is a tricky dance, and that's like, you know, at a certain point we probably will hit that, right? Like you're going to get to a point where Will Howard and the offense stalls a little bit, and then how quick are you on the trigger at that point? Because then if Adrian comes back in and has success, like how are you going to – now are you in a two-quarterback thing? There's a lot of ways this could potentially go wrong eventually, even though yeah. it's a good problem to have for right now. But I, I will say this too. One of the main things that I got pushback on in just – and not even – I was just kind of broaching the topic here, like who people really felt like they wanted. I was surprised by it. It seemed like there were more people behind the Adrian Martinez thing than I, I thought most people would be with us. Like, Will's the hot hand right now. Look at what it's doing for the offense right that. A lot of the pushback I got was like, well, we can't overreact to two games for Will Howard, or even some people mm -hmm. saying a, a game and a half. And I was like, okay, that seems a little unfair to use a game and a half. Yeah, and, and I will fight against that notion. But, but let me – so – the. What, what do we have for Adrian Martinez playing at a level that everybody likes? Three games. We're talking about three games versus two games. Like, we can't act like Adrian Martinez has been this guy the entire year. For, for three games of the season, all we did on this podcast was complain about Adrian Martinez and what was happening with the offense and, and like, do, does he need to get benched? Uh, that was, like, the last combo we had after Tulane. That was three games into the season, guys. You have three games of Adrian playing at a great level, and you have two games – of Will Howard playing at a great level and, and Will's two games were against TCU and Oklahoma state. So I don't, I feel like it's a pretty even comparison when we're talking about sample size here of these guys being what we, what we think of them as being now. Yeah. And all I'm saying, I will fight against the notion that it's a that's a game and a half for Will Howard. Look, he didn't get that many drives in the second half. Remember he missed two series and he, he led, you know, he's a tick away this, the, you know, a tick away from throwing a touchdown in the second half because he just barely misses Kate Warner. Yes, that's a ball that he needs to deliver and put it on the mark. Um, you can't miss high because he's that wide open. But he's a tick away from throwing a touchdown in that situation, and they missed two field goals. So his second half is getting, I think, criticized way more than it should. Yeah. That offense was still clicking in the second yeah. half. Well, I, I agree mean, to that point. I mean, the two missed field goals. So almost every Will Howard drive should have resulted in points when he was in the game against TCU. Correct. So yeah, exactly. The offense didn't stall out really when he was in the game. It was the two Jake Rubley series when things kind of stalled out, then he got hurt the fourth and two, they couldn't go for it, et cetera. And if, if they would have picked up a block, they would have got the first down on the, the third down play when they end up kicking that 44 yard field goal. I knew exactly what play you were going with on the Ben Senate pass that Will Howard made DY. That was just a phenomenal pass. Uh, like you from our seats. I thought it was getting picked at first, but he just got it over him. I don't think it's a fluke. He did a similar thing against TCU with the Malik Knowles third and 16 pass, right? Got it right over the linebacker, dropping back, um, cut it loose and delivered a perfect pass. Here's my, here's the dilemma that I run into with, with what's going on in the quarterback room. And I, Adrian's a very experienced player. He's a great leader. He's a fifth year player. I think he'll be fine. But let's say you roll out Adrian against Texas on Saturday and K-State goes three and out the first two series. What's the fan reaction going to be? It's going to be bringing Will Howard. Does Adrian start to feel the scrutiny again and the pressure and tighten up? That, that is where my concern lies. If he can't truly utilize his legs in the fashion that he wants to, 
that's where it becomes problematic. Here's the other thing that becomes a little bit problematic as we continue to distance ourselves. Let's say Adrian rests again against Texas. Doesn't play. You're talking about Will Adrian basically not playing in a football game for five weeks. He had gotten in a groove. You know, then the Iowa State game was what, October 7th, October 8th. And then he played, he had a bye week, played one series at TCU, then doesn't play. If he doesn't play against Texas, I mean, you're talking about five weeks. And is there rust then? Is it like starting over again for Adrian and getting back into a groove? Well, you can't afford to have any rust when you're in a Big 12 title race and you're going to Baylor next week. So that's where my concern lies. There's a couple of key factors at play here. Does Adrian start to feel the pressure as this thing mounts and also the rust factor? And, and oh, by the way, Will's style, I mean, they didn't, they, they didn't run him hardly at all um, against Oklahoma State. So you don't have to take these risks of like getting quarterbacks hurt again. I, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of advantages to me to just continuing to roll with Will Howard. But I don't know. I feel like we've made our point pretty clear. Maybe we should move on to headline number two, 24 minutes into the podcast. Um, headline number two, uh, any worry of this being a, a letdown spot for K-State? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think the fact that Texas is coming to town should mitigate a decent amount of that because enough Texas players on the team, enough people that just hate Texas in general, they are still a brand much as we may hate it and much as their, their play on the field doesn't back up what their brand is. Um, but if you look at it from another angle here, it's Texas has had a week now to sit around, rest up, get healthy and simmer on the fact that they let a game get away that they absolutely should have won in, in Stillwater um, plus game planning. And I know Kleiman mentioned like Sark, the great offensive mind he is, you know, they'll probably throw a lot of stuff that K-State hasn't seen at them. I mean, situationally, there there are a lot of things that would favor Texas here. Plus you've got K-State coming off of, you know, just the biggest win by uh, a team against the top 10 team in shutout fashion in AP poll history. So, you know, the, there, there are a lot of things that would at least raise an eyebrow for me here. Like, all right, can K-State really refocus and put that behind them as much as you would want them to? I agree. Um, typically, this would be a perfect letdown spot. Maybe um, not necessarily the, the you know the sandwich game because you also have Baylor the week before. Just because of who's on the schedule here, it's Texas, and I think that's where it comes into play too. I think there's two things here. One, I think they learned their lesson. I think they were. I know Missouri's not Texas and Missouri's not Oklahoma, but they didn't respond well after that game and lost to Tulane the following week. I think they learned that lesson. Because even though they, they let a lead against Texas Tech evaporate, they came out firing right after the win against Oklahoma. And they had Texas Tech down 13 nothing. probably should have been more, even if they did let that lead evaporate. So I think they've learned their lesson, and I think the name on the jersey in this case does kind of dissipate that concern. It's Texas, and you're in a Big 12 title race. There can't be any letdowns. I, I think the staff will – emphasize that I think the players will be ready to go K-State's lost five in a row to Texas all right the whole we own Texas mantra no longer there K-State hasn't beaten them since 2016 in Manhattan so those five straight losses the way that K-State's lost they've lost some really tightly contested games some heartbreakers and also uh, the beatdown in 2020 Chris Kleiman will have these guys ready to go I don't think there's really a letdown factor here you do worry worry about kind of the mental toll that these three weeks take on you. I mean, you are playing, but you played back to back top 10 teams. Now you got to play a Texas team that by many of the advanced metrics guys is a top 10 or top 15 team in the country. Their record is they're much better than their record shows. And we'll okay. talk about that as we preview Texas more, but I'll tell you Brock Heward 
scared the hell out of me when he said that Texas is the best team he's seen on tape all year. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's hyperbolic and goes out with hyperbole like that. He, you know, he clearly sees things. And uh, I know we'll talk about Texas more in depth, but uh, K-State's going to have to be completely locked in and ready to go. I think a night kick, too. I mean, yeah. it's going to be an absolutely Hell buzzing it's atmosphere. It's going to be better than Oklahoma State. The weather's going to be good. The rain looks like it's moved up in the forecast. It should be a nice day for tailgating. Uh, this should be the best atmosphere since Auburn in 2014. Two things there I just want to kind of add to what you said. One, I've actually, because like you said, five straight wins in the series by the Longhorns, I've actually never covered a Kansas State-Texas game or Kansas State won um, because no. I started I started covering the team in 2017. So it, f- it feels like I've probably been covering the team for a while. Like I'm not a stranger anymore to Manhattan, Kansas or Kansas State University, and I've never – seen in person Kansas State defeat Texas. So that's how lopsided the series has been. Secondly, Texas hung with Alabama for a reason. Yeah, well, and there have been, God, I'm I'm just racking my brain, all the stupid. I mean, it's not like K-State's out here getting waxed by Texas every single year. I mean, there have been some real Mm -hmm. dumb law, you know, 27, the first game you covered in Austin, D.Y. I mean, the end of that game was stupid. Was that the overtime with Alex Delton? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I remember one time, too, where Skylar Thompson, I think it was he and my quarterback, where it was the last play of the game for some reason, or maybe not last play, but he has wide open Dalton Schoen, and he misses him, right? Uh, so 2019, I think Schoen dropped a ball in the end zone in Austin. You know what I'm talking about, Cole? Was it, was it Texas, or am I thinking of a different team? Uh, well, Schoen, yeah, Schoen, I just remember the postgame interview, Schoen being like, really despondent because he had dropped what would have been either the tying or go ahead touchdown pass late in the game. And yeah. Yeah. He also, yeah. He also had an 80 yard touchdown uh, as well. That might've been 17 in Austin. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what year it was, but I do remember exactly what you guys are talking about. I do think it was 2019, you know, the 2017 game, John, I think back, I was standing by you on the sideline, Texas receiver goes to leapfrog in case they defender fumbles. case they've got like four guys there. They could end the game. K-State's up by three, and, and they couldn't recover it. And uh, that was Texas kicks – yeah, Texas kicks a field goal and uh, gets to overtime, and they win in overtime. That was – and, and, yeah, that was an actually good Alex Delton game. Came on late. Yeah. It was. 2018, good old 2018, I did not attend because I was doing a TV broadcast, and that was the one where Bill tried to tell us that who starts at quarterback in a game doesn't actually matter in the postgame press conference, which led to the next Tuesday – everybody's favorite John Kurtz moment. Uh, you write whatever the hell you want to write. Yeah. I mean, this was the part of the year and no, if it's coach Schneider, we all love him, but this was a part of the year where he really just like laid into everything and went off the rails a little bit because they had TCU where I think he blamed Isaiah Zuber uh, for the loss 14, 13 in Fort Worth. And, they had this Texas game where the following week he goes off on Kurtz because of the questions about who's going to be a quarterback between Skylar Taunton and Alex Delton. And then I think he had a Baylor game later in the year in Waco where AB just flat out ignored Kellis. Next because question. Asked, yeah, next, <laughs> next, question. next question. Kellis about four times because of the special teams uh, uh, debacles in Waco. Yeah, and we know how dumb last year was. Although, blessing in disguise, I think, because that, that was probably the final nail in the coffin for a change at – Oh, the short yard situations. Yeah. So let's let's hope we don't have to go back to the Wildcat. Both teams running a bunch of Wildcat last year in Austin. But but storyline number three, headline number three here anyway. Um, 
plays off of all this. And that is, I mean, we're sitting here talking about what, what K-State do we get? Is there a letdown there? I mean, the question for Texas, I mean, look, Cole, I, like they, Brock Heward mentioned the Lambos that they roll out and they've got them and they look great. And you look at them for, I mean, most of that game in Stillwater, I'm like, yeah, they'll probably win this game by two touchdowns. And then they're soft, man. I mean, like they just wilt. And like, I don't, I still don't think Sark has fixed the culture issue there. Texas is going on 13 years of this where they just follow this same pattern and, and they're two, I mean, it's been big 12 road games where they've done this. I mean, they probably should not have lost that game to Texas tech either. Um, now that was without Quinn Ewers too. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, if it's not one thing, it's something else. Like something goes wrong. Texas fans want to blame Sark for getting away from the run game. Quinn Ewers, I guess had a finger issue and there was wind in Stillwater, whatever. I mean, you know, I heard that this guy was the reason that they're not in the playoff. This guy, you know, they should be in the playoff discussion because Ewers is that good and he didn't play, but then he can't handle a little wind and a fingernail, you know, whatever. But it's always something with Texas, right? And they're about to go play a November road game in Manhattan, Kansas, where they've already struggled on the road. So it just, that would be my question. Are we going to get the same Texas that will find a way to bleep it up? Or is this going to be an effort where they come in and play a pretty complete game? Well, I mean, speaking of the wind factor, I mean, it was 25, the same day it was windy in Stillwater. It was 25 mile per winds in Fort Worth, and Will Howard didn't have a problem with that wind, right? Coming in cold. So I, I don't think that should be an excuse for a five star redshirt freshman in Quinn Ewers, um, who was performing lights out against Alabama before he got hurt. Uh, I, okay. Can I, can I speak to that? That was like two drives. I don't, I'm so sick of hearing that too, about the Bama thing. So Quinn Ewers had two successful drives against Bama. Tennessee scored uh, 52 points. Yeah. Just chill the hell out. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, look, I, concern I have is, uh, you know, when Brock mentioned what they, they show and the speed in the running game. I, the, the biggest concern I have with Texas, first of all, is the bye week in Sarkeesian, who's a good offensive mind, having two weeks to scheme up an offensive game plan against K-State, potentially without doubt, Daniel Green at the linebacker position. And the other major concern I have is Texas's trend of gashing K-State in the running game the last three seasons. You know, 2020, you could kind of throw out. I mean, they ran for 334 on 33 carries, but K-State was playing without a ton of guys. They had Elijah Sullivan playing safety for the first time. He got hurt early in the game, too. That was a mess. It was a debacle. Texas averaged 10 yards per carry in that game. Irregardless of that, last year, you you guys will recall, they just lined Roshan Johnson up in the Wildcat and killed K-State. And he averaged nearly six yards per carry and rushed for 179. Over the last three years, Texas has averaged 252 yards per game on the ground against K-State and 6.7 yards per carry. You know, and you're looking at K-State. I don't know what Daniel Green's status is going to be, but they still have Roshan Johnson. He's kind of the forgotten guy, a dude that has averaged six yards per carry in his entire career and rushed for 2,000 yards in his career. This is a big physical back that's 6'2", 225 pounds, a senior with over 2,000 rushing yards in his career. And then B. John Robinson, the Lamborghini of them, six foot, 220 pound back that has 2,700 yards and his two and a half seasons in a Texas uniform and has averaged 6.2 yards per carry in his career. I mean, you got two running backs with 4,700 yards combined, averaging six yards per carry in their entire career. Going up against a K State defense that's been pretty solid against the run. I just don't know, you know, if they commit well, to that running game, you know, can K State stop them? Where, where did they have problems? They had problems against probably the best running back they've seen this year, right? Kendra Miller. 
You know, I mean, he tore him up once once TCU started going that route without Damian Green. Well, it was the yards after contact with him, right? He was averaging four yards after contact. And so K-State is going to have to be physical and sound. Look, Oklahoma State couldn't exploit K-State without Daniel Green because they didn't have Dominique Richardson, first of all, their starting running back. But second of all, there was an Oklahoma State team that was 91st in the country in yards per rush at 3.7 on the season. It's a different animal. This is a Texas running game that's averaging over five yards per carry. They're top 20 in the country in yards per rush. So your face, their interior of their offensive line is not great. Eli Huggins and the D line can put some work in, and I think they'll help the linebackers. But you can't deny the talent in the running back room that Texas has. And so, case it's going to have to really tackle well. B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson were averaging eight yards a carry uh, between the two of them against Oklahoma State. Steve Sarkeesian still elected to throw the ball 50 times despite Quinn Ewers not completing 20 passes. Well, you could get some help from – look, Steve Sarkeesian's forgot more football than I'll ever know, but that just doesn't make sense to me when you get your two running backs averaging about eight yards a carry and you throw it 50 times when your quarterback can't even complete 20 balls. Yes, he's got 300 yards because they remained explosive, but that's just poor efficiency, and you're not going to get the job done when you add those kinds of numbers and still elect to throw it that many times. At DY, Roshan Johnson had five carries for, what, 73 yards? He only got five carries at 73 yards? And and they, they complete 19 of 49 passes? Quinn Ewer's worst game? You're throwing the ball 49 times when you're running that ball that well? That's to why they lost to Oklahoma State. Yeah, so the, the thing – I've talked to some Texas people. The thing they always – with Sarkeesian, he schemes things up really well for the first few drives. And then as you get away from that, you know, you always think Andy Reed, Andy Reed's a brilliant offensive mind. Like he's not just a guy that schemes up the first couple drives and then he's screwed. But with Steve Sarkeesian, it seems like once you get through those first few drives in the game, he doesn't adjust. Well, once he gets away from those schemed up plays and has to end game adjust, he seems to struggle. I mean, just look at the Oklahoma game and the red river rivalry last year when they're up by what 28 and then second half, they just completely collapsed and lost that game to the Sooners. That's what I think Steve Sarkeesian is. He's a bright offensive mind, but I think when you, if you can throw some adjustments this way, I, that's why I think they, the early start to this game early on is going to be so key because they're going to come out with some things K-State hasn't seen. They're going to throw some wrinkles in there. They're going to be creative. If K-State can kind of just hold serve and stay close, I think they'll eventually be able to overcome Texas. I think Texas is going to move the ball. It's about what Kansas State does in the red zone on yep. defense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the problem. You talk about, explosive plays they've got to do is i'm we're, we're morphing this into the texas preview portion of of the pod here we do not have a, a dy sunday conversation of the week on tuesday uh for us this week so but the problem is i mean it's like beyond the running backs you know i mean i think sark is really good at getting xavier worthy into space not not just down the field but finding creative ways to like swing him the ball out in the flat and get him one of them and he is just a freaking burner man i mean they you know, he, he is also very scary. They just, there are so many elements of their offense that are very, very scary. Um, so I, I'm with you, Cole. And I, that's how, I mean, that's really how I think of Sark just in general. I think he's an excellent, excellent offensive coordinator. The, the problem and the question mark with him has been, you know, program building and and obviously what's happening in game. So, yes, I, I totally agree. I think it's going to be withstand the charge from a fired up Texas team that's been sitting on a dumb loss for two weeks that, that typically schemes really well right out of the gate. Other side of the ball, I mean, are we pretty confident in case they can move the ball against the Texas defense? Going to come down to quarterback play. Will Howard's got to be himself. Well, himself from the last two weeks. 
Well, here's this. Uh, they're, they're allowing 3.3 yards per carry. That's 17th best in the country. They're tied with Iowa State for the best run defense in the Big 12 in that category. Pass efficiency defense, 27th in the country. Uh, 4.7 yards per play allowed, 17th in the country. Second best in the Big 12. 1.75 points per drive allowed, number 28 in the country. Uh, they're, they're pretty darn solid on the defensive side of the football as well. You know, Overshone's a really good player on that side. Uh, yeah, that's Brock Ewart. I mean, the first thing he, he brought up the defense and how they just fly around on that football field. So they're going to be a challenge. I mean, if you look at Texas overall, like we look at kind of the advanced metrics, you know, we talked about net points per drive. So if you look at net points per drive, which takes in both offense and defense, Texas is the number team, number 10 team in the country. Uh, K-State's number 27. Texas is best in the Big 12 when you look at net points per drive. Brian Freemau's FEI ratings, which are opponent-adjusted possession efficiency, they rank Texas sixth in the country, K-State eighth. Bill Connolly's of ESPN SP Plus rankings have Texas as the number six team in the country despite having three losses. K-State is the 14th best team in America. Um, you look at that Texas defense, he has them as the 16th best defense in the country. K-State is top 20, I think eighth, eighth best defense in the country for K-State's defense, according to his metrics. I know I got a little bit off base there because we're talking specifically Texas defense, but I wanted to give you guys just some advanced analytics of just how good Texas is, despite being a five and three football team. I think this is the arguably the best team K-State has played this year. I think they could be better than TCU. Um, and as far as talent, I think they are. So this is a defense, I digress, getting back to it, a defense yards per pass number 12 in the country tops in the big 12 allowing only 6.3 yards per pass. So they're pretty solid across the board guys. I, I don't know. I, I still think K-State will be able to find some ways to exploit them. Uh, but it's a hard defense to go against. And I will say what I did want to mention, some of their, their defensive numbers are a little inflated because they got to play Oklahoma with Drake Bevel at quarterback, yeah. right? Yeah. They didn't play Dylan Gabriel. And so they got a shutout mm -hmm. against OU, which inflates their numbers. They also have only forced one turnover per game, which is 102nd in the country. We know K-State's fifth in the country in turnover margin, um, which is a big, big advantage area for K-State. So they'll have to force some turnovers. Um, I'm just looking through some of my notes here to see. They did. I mean, guys, they held Bryce Young to one of his worst games of his career, just 5.5 yards per pass, Alabama's quarterback, and held him to a season low 20 points. I go back to that, you know, Alabama's sitting with 13 points with a minute left in the game. Uh, you know, a healthy Bryce Young. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a good defense. Kids, they forced all of their turnovers this year at home and Texas defense really surrendered late against Oklahoma state though. And again, beleaguered Spencer Sanders, you know I mean? That was not like a full strength Oklahoma state offense at the end of the game. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just, it's pretty much kind of what you'd expect. Like Texas has a bunch of dudes they are flashy as hell. They can, I mean, pretty much across the board, they're going to out-talent you significantly, but they find ways to lose, and they they kind of just find ways to wilt uh, late in games. So will they get over that hump uh, is, is going to be the question here in Manhattan, and, and still a Texas team that has a lot to play for. I mean, we talk about the angle here, like K-State, the position they'll be in in the Big 12 title race if they win. I mean, Texas is right back in that thing if if they get this win. Uh, with TCU still left on the schedule. So, I mean, very important. Texas has every reason, long story short, to be very motivated by playing this too. 
uh, if they're trying to win a league championship. Uh, yeah, if they went out, John, they're they're likely in Arlington. I mean, they they win this game, they're tied for second in the Big Twelve standings. And look, we don't know what OSU if Spencer Sanders can't play. They play at KU on Saturday. We don't know what's going to transpire with that game. So they could very easily be alone in second place in the standings, depending on the outcome of that game. And so, yeah, they got everything to play for coming off a of bye week. They're going to come in fired up. K State's going to be fired up as well. You know, it's easy to look at Texas and get intimidated by the numbers. And and you hear Brock Heward say the things that he does respect the hell out of him. But you got to remember as well, like this is a Texas team. Yes, all three games they lost, they led in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were up two scores in every game but Alabama, and they lost those three games, Texas Tech and, and Oklahoma State, games they should have won. But you remember the Iowa State game just three weeks ago. They should have lost to Iowa State on their home field. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? Hunter Deckers and that Iowa State offense should have thrown for almost 400 yards. If Xavier Hutchinson makes some catches, they're at, they're at 350 yards passing in that game against that Texas D, all right? So they're talented, but you never know what you're going to get with Texas game in and game out. So even with everything to play for, they're beatable in case they can go out and win this game. Agreed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I agree with you on that. All right, some quick hitters for you. Higher number on Saturday. Uh, Bijan rushing yards or Deuce rushing and receiving yards combined. I'll say Deuce rushing and receiving combined just because of the way Will Howard's cooking there as a quarterback. I think that's probably the the side to take, especially since, man, and I I said I kind of used the comparison with Alvin Kamara with Andy Dalton versus Alvin Kamara with with Jameis Winston, but Deuce Vaughn becomes a a weapon in the passing game much more with Will Howard under center. I was just going to say, I mean, so much of this has to be contingent on Will playing quarterback, right? Because Deuce has just not been a factor in the passing game at all with Adrian and absolutely has been with Will. I'll say I'll say Deuce as well. Um, a large part of that is also Bijan's got Roshan Johnson right behind yeah. him that they'll give some carries to and split up. And you know, I, I think Deuce uh, will carry more of the load for K State, obviously. And the other thing I will throw in though is, and, and this isn't part of your question, John, but you mentioned receiving yards for Deuce. Bijan Robinson has almost 300 yards receiving this year. So they, they throw I, to their I left that part off. I was like, if I did both of them come yeah. on, knew, yeah. Yeah. So I just mentioned that that you know he's a threat uh in the receiving game as well and averages almost 17 yards a catch. DY, by the way, do we I meant to ask this earlier. Daniel Green update. Do we have any Daniel Green updates? Man, I true game time decision, I would say. Man, if he tried to go last week and hats off to him um for doing so. He was in the weight room trying to go to to the point where he was trying to give them 10 or 15 snaps, then I'm not going to count him out. But 
it seems it seems a little unrealistic, but yeah. man, if he tried to go last week, I'm not counting him out. Yeah. All right. More frustrating team above TCU in the college football playoff rankings. They were at seven. Clemson, uh, Clemson or Bama? Because Clemson. to me, it's Clemson. I feel like most people have focused on Bama. The Clemson gets me, man. I the ACC is just garbage. Clemson, nobody. TCU's got wins on K State and Oklahoma State. You know. Yes, and the committee is sitting here saying well, the problem with TCU is that they've they've fallen behind in these games. Uh, Clemson has trailed more in the fourth quarter this year for more drives in the fourth quarter this year than TCU has, and played a weaker schedule with less good wins. Uh, I mean, Bama's very annoying too that they're there with their one top twenty-five win being Texas who somehow is thrown in the back end of the top 25. Um, a, lot of, a lot of brand love, uh, a lot of brand whoring out there again. And the, Alabama did play with the number one team in the country, though, a three-point game. So I, it's definitely Clemson. Uh, you know, typically I'd show some Big 12 pride here and complain a little bit. But you know what? Screw you, TCU. I don't give a damn about where you're at in the rankings. I'm thrilled. You know what? I don't think you're a top 10 team even. So I'm completely fine where you sit in the standings. I'm not going to defend or complain about where you're at. So after my experience in Fort Worth, so buzz off, enjoy your seventh ranking spot. Uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I mean, in reality, if you wanted to complain though, I, I think Clemson is a, a very good point. Uh, they don't really have any good wins um, on their schedule and, and should have lost arguably to Syracuse. Although I will say also with Alabama, it should have lost to Texas A&M with, Hangs King playing quarterback in in Tuscaloosa. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think you know Alabama, as we've said, it's going to take three losses to knock Alabama out of the playoff because that they just the SEC schools get so much respect. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what happens first? The NCAA actually punishes Kansas hoops themselves or KU breaks ground on a football stadium renovations. Of course, we saw this week that. KU has self-imposed, pun intended, uh, some sanctions on Bill Self. Curtis, did Curtis Townsend get a suspension too? Yeah, four games. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he was involved in that too. You know, I mean, three games that they'll win anyway, and then one game at the Champions Classic, and they're losing three scholarships over three years. Is that do I have the the logistics of that correct? Kansas has yeah. self-imposed a little slap on the wrist. And uh, so what happens first? The NCAA five years later now, we're clock ticking, five years. Since that whole thing started in 2017, still nothing. NCAA does that, or Kansas, which has tried this start and stop thing with uh, football funding to get renovations done for the stadium. They actually break ground. Which one's happening first? Well, because I'm not convinced they'll actually break ground on anything. And if it if they do, it's not going to be uh, in the near future. Because um, you know, adding Wi-Fi or you're renovating something that's already there that, that, that doesn't count because we're talking about breaking ground. Then, and, and I'll go with the NCAA because I think that's going to come. They said either in six to eight weeks or immediately after the season. So that's the timetable we're going to be operating with for breaking ground. And I don't think it's going to get there. So breaking ground doesn't classify as knocking a hole in one of their cement walls and adding some plumbing or a urinal in their bathrooms, uh, you know, at KU. So I don't think, right. uh, I don't think a Kevin Harlan voiceover right. counts either. Uh, okay, well then I'll go with the uh, the NCAA violations because I don't think KU is anywhere close to being able to break ground. They don't have near the money amounted to raise to to do so, as I've said three weeks ago on this show. So yeah, well I, I will just make this point. I legitimately, I mean, I, I think Travis Goff is a very sharp guy. I, I hate admitting that or saying that. 
I don't really hate admitting that. I hate the fact that I have to say that, that Kansas doesn't have a clown show athletic director anymore like they used to. Um, but I heard him do a hit on 810 this week, do an interview, which I think was in response to the controversy that got stirred up by Fitz going on and saying that he didn't think that they would ever get the funding together. And so, you know, Kansas wants to campaign and they put Travis Goff on the air just to say basically that they still don't have the money and the only timetable they'll commit to is breaking ground in 2023. Like nothing, it was the same thing. I mean, it just backs up the whole point that it's it was clearly a rushed announcement video there to just spit out for college game day, which again, Travis Goff is not dumb. That was a smart thing, but it just if you start diving into the nuts and bolts of this, I don't I'd be concerned if I were a Kansas fan about uh, this thing actually getting done. Uh okay. DY, I have to say I was very proud of you for uh, getting into an internet fight over the past week, but now now I've got to bring it to reality. So Dark Alley, Bare Knuckles, John Canzano against Derek Young. John Canzano, Pac-12 reporter, um, <laughs> works works up in Oregon and uh, has been the biggest Pac-12 propagandist throughout all of uh, conference realignment. And D.Y., D.Y. took him to task on uh, – had him deleting tweets, way, backing up and everything. So I just want to know, a fist fight in a back alley, dark alley, like who's winning, D.Y. or Canzano? A couple of things. By the way, I won that Twitter feud by far. It wasn't even a close contest. I, I You know, um, I almost feel bad. Um, but and the number <laughs> number two, that guy called News having a conversation with Bill Walton. So what a ridiculous – like – there's not enough words to describe how incompetent and stupid and silly that guy is from a professional standpoint, but clearly it would be me. I mean, I have no idea what that guy looks like. (laughs) I have no clue what that guy looks like in real life. I don't, but I would kick his ass. Oh, let's, let's cut that sound bite up. Let's tweet that out and we'll tag Canzano. That sounds great. (laughs) Let's not do that. Let's Let's do that. Jed. Cut the clip. No. Let's see. No. 52 no, mark. Yeah. Let's... I don't need to be propagating violence on Twitter. <laughs> I'm all for it. No, I would please don't. I think Canzano no. would win. You know, I'm just gonna put that out there. I think no. I think Canzano's got you. I think he's got a little more reach, you know, tail of the tape. What have you seen? Have you like what, what the hell does that mean? Where are you getting that from? I have no idea. I are was you just saying you have to... alligator arms, DY. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm taking DY, I think. Let me, uh, let me I Google. don't even know if I like John Kerr. I'm going to uh, tender my resignation after this show. <laughs> let, me, let me see. I was just trying to stir the pot because you got the – okay, well. Tweet tweet Canzano him. and ask him. I have more hair. I, I know I that. I have more hair than him. I know that. Um, yeah, I'm not really seeing any full body shots here. Uh, ooh, yeah, I don't know. Probably a reason. I don't want to, you know, scare the children. Yeah, this guy looks like he might be kind of big. I, <laughs> well, I don't know, D.Y. I, I mean, I love you, man. And you killed him on Twitter. And I couldn't fight anybody to save my life, by the way. He would absolutely drill me. What, what the hell did you do CrossFit for then? For the looks, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and finally, uh, Cole, who would you rather have dinner with, Brock Hewitt or Jerome Tang? Um, I'm still sticking with my guy, Jerome. Um, you know, he's uh, he's been my guy since he was hired on the job. Obviously, love Brock, but uh, I'm going to see Jerome a lot more. I'm going to be in Bramlage with him a lot more, and uh, he impacts 
my alma mater is winning and losing a lot more than uh, than Brock Heward does. So I'm going to take Jerome, but uh, but I would love to have dinner with Brock as well. So I, I don't want to freak Brock out though. So I don't want him to think I'm like some sort of stalker. Um, so how many times did you try to get him on the show? By the way, well we, we've been trying to work at it three or four different times since the OU game. Uh, well, I'm not going to fault Cole. I, I meant to say this earlier. All credit in the world to Cole for that interview. It was excellent. And I know we got a lot of positive feedback on it. And that is Cole just being tenacious for a couple of weeks here, working with a guy who has a really busy schedule and Brock Hewer to make it work. So that was that was all Cole. I think it was on, honestly pretty fitting that you got to do the interview solo because that was that was your work. And it was well, very well done, my friend. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And And look, I don't want to make it seem like like that was a knock on Brock that he couldn't make it. Like it was my fault last week. I, I did not get back to Brock in time. We were going to try and have him on before the, uh, the Oklahoma state game. Uh, and I, I screwed up and didn't get back to him in time and, and Brock was willing to do so. And Brock is incredibly busy, uh, has to travel, you know, all over and all the prep work he does has his own radio show. So uh, no fault all there. And, and hopefully we can get him back on the show because he's excellent. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was happy to be able to do it, and uh, you know he's my favorite college football analyst there is, and was thrilled to be able to have him on. So um, thankful that we could make it work out, and the timing ended up being better than ever because the quarterback talking point is such a big deal. Brock, former NFL quarterback, played quarterback at Washington, um, and also called K-State's two biggest wins of the year, both against top 10 teams, and called both quarterbacks, Adrian and Will. So he's seen the offense with Adrian Martinez and with Will Howard. So really just a, a perfect guy to bring on to give opinion on what he makes and what K-State should do in that situation. I'm not looking forward to this part of the pod. It's the uh, lead pipe lock of the week. I'm now in last. I'm three and five. I did not... Did not hit last week. That's what I get for putting uh, my lead pipe lock of the week on Nebraska football. <laughs> Derek moves into first at five and three. Go I've, I've had a lead pipe lock of the week that was Colorado once this year, uh, and a lead pipe lock of the week that was Nebraska. Once yeah, maybe maybe put maybe put your confidence on, on some better programs. Yeah, not good, not good. Um, that's why this week I'm not. I'm counting on two teams, and oh. although this is. Not, this is not going to make me sound very good because I'm counting on West Virginia and Iowa State. So I need the under here. I'm going under. Oh, und oh going I, I put real money on this game, under 50. Yeah, under 50. Uh, C.J. Donaldson is out for the year. West Virginia's stud running back. Uh, you've got a dominant Iowa State defense. West Virginia's kind of reeling right now. I mean, Iowa State's offense looks really bad. Uh, so I just I don't see any way that that game – gets into the thirties, which is, you know, essentially what it would take here. I mean, I guess like 27, 24, you'd still get killed. That's why if I could get it at like 52, uh, I'd feel a lot better, but still 50, I'll take the under. Cool. After you, um, as the, the leader, I will go last. Oh, way to rub that in. Um, which I got screwed by, you know, TCU throwing it into the end zone on a fourth and one from like the 25 yard line down up three. Right. Bullshit is that another reason to hate TCU. <laughs> It was really funny because Nelly, Nelly had the over, and he was sitting next to me in the stands, and I like we he had he was watching it and then like turned it off. He was like, eh, it's, "I'm not gonna get it." And then literally, I was checking scores later. I was like, "Hey, dude, TCU got a touchdown here at the end of the game." I was like, and he was and so he celebrated. So he had the opposite. Uh, oh, I'm so happy for you, Nelly. Um, I'm gonna take Miami at home plus seven and a half in a rivalry game against Florida State. 
I, I just like I, putting I know your money Miami. on Miami. All right, people. I'm just just let the record show. Cole's putting <laughs> on Miami. They, they beat Virginia in four overtimes last week, fourteen to twelve, without scoring a touchdown. Yes, they got yeah. the fourteen without scoring a touchdown. I, I'm aware, and I respect the hell out of that victory over the Cavaliers. You know, and so. Uh, I am going to take, and if you give me seven and a half in a rivalry game in Miami where dozens of people will be, no, they'll have a lot more people there because it's a rivalry. I'll, I'll take it. Um, and I'll just uh, hope and pray that it covers. So a, I, I'm going to go heavy on a bounce back spot for the pokes, right? They got their ass kicked by the cats last week, 48 to zero. They opened up as a three point favorite against KU. That's actually down to two. So I love that. Oklahoma State minus two against the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, that's going to be one, probably my heaviest play of the week. But I do like to do a helmet pick. So this is not my official pick because my official pick is Oklahoma State. Do not have an Oklahoma State helmet. Sorry, folks. Send me one or something. I don't know. I'm not made of money. But I also like Baylor this week, plus three and a half against Oklahoma. So Baylor Bears too. Well, I don't. I don't like that. I, I want K State fans. You want to? What if it's a three point loss? There you go. Uh, all right. Well, you, you're laying your faith in the Gundy kid at quarterback. Are you sure about that, Dy? Like, uh, are you? My, you think tough. he's playing? I don't he's know. Tough as shit. He's like. Uh, you know, I think he'll play. Yeah. I think he'll it's play. KU. They're playing Jason Bean still. Come on. Are Are we sure they're not playing Daniels yet? Do we know that? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I haven't followed that closely, but uh, yeah, well, I kind of dropped off on that. I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> well, so did KU fans. You saw the TV ratings on the season that came out. And uh, despite this great start to the year, they're half of what K-State's got for ratings, which was interesting. They have, Their ratings are better than UCF and, and Houston. Houston. Yeah. yeah, Houston, you're in the biggest metropolitan. You're going to have the worst ratings in the Big 12. Cool. Hey, yeah. don't look now. They've kind of turned their season around. They're like yeah, nobody, right nobody, nobody seems to give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Prediction time. Uh, DY and I are sticking to the bit. I know that. And look, I, I, I speak it for me. <laughs> I am being legitimately serious here that I, if you forced me to pick, I mean, I love the cats, man. And I, I love a lot of the things that are happening right now, but I'm Cole said like easy to get spooked by Texas on the, Look at looking at the stat sheet, and I'm I'm a little spooked by it. Um, I'm also a little spooked by what my eyes have seen of what they're capable of, and I'm a little spooked by not K State really like letting down in terms of like focus, but just you played the perfect game last week, basically, and it feels like there would be some level of regression to the mean back there. So I don't. I've got Texas 27, K State 24, but again, a piece of this is when when Dy and I are going against them. It's worked out pretty well. So just remember that, people. Just yeah, the only Big 12 game I've gotten correctly this year, I believe, was the Texas Tech game um, when they, they beat Texas Tech 37-28. to 28. I, Look, I would stick to the bet no matter what, and I would pick against the Cats this week. But legitimately, and I'm not saying this just like Kurtz, I'm just not saying this to say it, I would pick Texas this week. I, I think it will be a three-point game, 31-28. Yeah, way to sell it, DY. Good work. Good job. You really did convince me that you actually want Texas. No, you know, I would. I, I actually yeah. put real money on Texas, uh -huh. too. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Sure. I, yeah. I got Texas minus two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Believe that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I can't believe you actually put real money on Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want my pay stub? I'll give it to you. Will you give me the – well, I don't want you to win, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, Cole? I want you to lose that. Uh, look. 
I ride with the Big 12. What are if you're you watching on YouTube, I'm wearing my Dan Beebe given hat from 2011 Big 12 Media Days when the Big 12 was completely collapsing. And they brought Dan Beebe out at Media Day in front of us down in Dallas to the natural and uh, had a guy interview him. And it was fantastic entertainment. And I still have this hat. And you know the last time I wore this hat? was 2019 no. in Manhattan in the press box against Oklahoma. This Big 12 conference hat. Oh, I remember that. That's right. I dressed up as an official, kind of. I wore my black, you know, uh, pullover, everything. Yeah, I'm wearing I'm wearing this hat again on Saturday. And K-State is 1-0 when I wear this hat against the backstabbing traders of Oklahoma <laughs> and Texas. So I am wearing it again. Kansas State is going to win 31-27. to Okay. Hey, Cole, um, this time get a video of uh, Brody's prediction before the game so it doesn't look like you like hoodwinked everybody. I mean, you guys could tell it was still, it was like bright and early still. I mean, I I believe you, but the next time just like let us know so we can put some money on it because apparently Brody's oh, okay. smarter than well, everybody. Look, his prediction seems so ridiculous to me. I didn't want my five-year-old to get bullied on Twitter for such a, <laughs> an egregious prediction of 44 to nothing. You didn't and pick then, him up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he actually, uh, he actually already gave me uh, a score. Oh, if you guys want it. I so, do. Okay. We'll just go ahead and put it out there. Brody yeah. pick K state 20 Texas 17. <laughs> oh, wow. He's got well, a, lot I expect for like a 62 to like six thing from Brody. He actually, uh, he's, you give him Texas respect. He is. He respects the Longhorns. So, and I'll tell you, Brody's a little upset that we got a night kick. We had to talk about this because it's a late yeah. night for him. We don't know. He's been to the four straight games. I don't know if he's going to be able to. Uh, so if to we lose, it. it's your fault for not bringing your son. I will kick myself over, which is why I still think I'm going to get him in there. So is, we it, sleep. is, it, more, is it more like a back and forth between you and your wife? Of- yeah, that's the problem. She's <laughs> she's trying to push me to not let Brody be there. And I want the I, kid if there. You're, if you're listening to this, uh, text to, or tweet cold man back about bro, letting Brody make it to the Texas at Kansas State game this Saturday. If you get 100 tweets to him, he has to take his kid. 100. Wow. Cole, and if you have, you, like, let me just tell you. When you're thinking about your parenting here, and maybe Vanessa should listen to this too. Uh, when I was, let's see, that was 1996, New Year's Day, 97. We played in the Cotton Bowl against Steve Sarkeesian, by the way, mm-hmm. topical. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted desperately to go to that Cotton Bowl. My parents went without me, and I still hold a grudge to this day. So, you know, Cole, I don't know what you want to be paying in therapy bills years later, but I would – Vanessa, I don't know what you want to be paying in therapy bills, but I would maybe let Brody attend this game. Cool. Uh, you want to throw out your uh, Twitter handle so people can the hundred people can tell you to take your son to the game. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's Cole underscore Manbeck. Maybe uh, we should have. Maybe we should give Vanessa's Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vanessa Renee. It's still like a picture of her before we were married, and uh, her in a White Sox jersey. You'll find her uh, as she worked in PR for the White Sox. We don't have to worry about her listening. The only episode she listened to all year was the Brock Heward episode. Apparently, you know she loved the broadcast so much. That's the only show she has listened to. So we should be safe. Um, unless one of my friends who listens rats out that we just talked about this uh, tour. So uh, yeah, Cole underscore Manbeck. If you're Jerome Tang, you could maybe give me a follow. I'm not, I don't want to beg, but uh, you know. <laughs> okay. We got it. 
Let me step in here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, go stock up on your Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon and your 360 vodka. Get it ready uh, for this weekend. It's going to be a late night, as we just discussed. You got plenty of time. And uh, support Holiday Distillery, K-State folks. They support us on the podcast, uh, so we would appreciate it. All right. We had D.Y. talking about kicking people's butts. We had Cole throwing his wife under the bus. It was a it was a wild ride. I'm talking about grudges from 1996. What a ride this podcast was. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. For Jed Marshall behind the scenes, Cole Manbeck and Derek Young, I am John Kurtz. Thank you for listening to another This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.